Heintike Parshe is Parshas Bolok, or as the Rambam calls it in one place, Parshas Bilam. It's a very interesting story, very unusual story, very interesting story, which has to do with a lot of practical political factors on the ground. Moyov was a nation decimated. Moyov lived south of a, of a country called Emoidi, ruled by a very mighty dominant king called Sichen Melech And the Moyovites were always attacked from the northern neighbors, from the people of Emoidi, who were eating away pieces of their land slowly. They were just, just cutting off a chunk and making it, annexing it, making it part of their own country. In fact, Sichen built his capital in a city called Arnoin, which had actually originally been the capital of Moyov. And now he made it the capital of Amoidi. And the epitome, the epitome of embarrassment and indignity is you take over the territory of your enemy and you make his capital into your own capital. So the people of Amoidi were pretty uh, defensive, pretty nervous. On top of that, their leadership class, their, their uh, kings and uh, royalty had been wiped out in this war. And they had to actually appoint a king who was not a Moyavite, from Midyangor. His name was Bolok. Bolok ben Sipan, Melech Lemoyav, but Asa, he says, Rashi, he had no business being the king of Moyav, he wasn't a Moyavite. Under the circumstances, they had no royalty, they had no leadership, they had no choice but to appoint Bolok ben Sipan. The Jewish people crawled through a pass, they crawled along a road which was the border between Moyev and Amoyev, the new border between Moyev and Amoyev. And Rashi describes it in last week's Pasha as being two, uh, a mountain which was split open. And there was a, a crevasse, there was a, uh, a deep gorge, like a valley. It was very narrow between the two mountains. And the Yidden passed through this valley, this, this, uh, this pass, that's the right word, this pass, and the people of Amoidi had hoped to shower the Jewish people with stones and, 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 and cause a great calamity. So the Abishta made a nest that the mountains came together. The mountains came together, so instead of the Yidin going through the pass, they went over the hill. And they landed on the western side of this mountain, which was Me'eva Yadon opposite Eretzisro, on the other side of the pass. Then the mountains came apart after the Yidin crossed. The Be'er Shalmiriam went into the pass and filled it with water. And all of a sudden, the dead soldiers started falling out of the walls of this mountain and the Yidin Ershnu the Ness. So the Jewish people are situated across the pass. It's just west of the past, pass between Moyev and Amoyri. And as much as Moyev had suffered under the Amoyri, they were paying tribute to the Amoyrites and they were hoping that the Amoyrites, the people to the north, would support them. They decided to engage the Jewish people in battle. Moshe Rabbeinu, according to Rashi even, Moshe Rabbeinu told people of Sichem, we're passing through your land, we're not going to bother you, we just want to go to Etisol, and I promise you we'll behave, in fact we'll even pay for food and water even though we have our own. And Sichem said no. Sichem came out, he mobilized his army, Rashi says, to conquer Moshe City by city would have been very bloody and very difficult. So this, the Amoidim gathered the entire army and they came to meet the Yidin out in the field and they were wiped out. And the Yidin conquered the land of the Amoidim, they conquered the land of Ayyim al 
all the, the whole north was conquered. And then Moyov is watching this and they're thinking, oh no, what about us? As much as they had suffered the hands of the Amoidium, they expected Amoidium to protect them. And here Amoidium, in no time at all, just disappeared, just wiped off the face of the earth. Reuven, God, and Chatzishevet Menashe soon will inhabit that land and settle it. And the Moabites sitting to the south are in a panic. And of course, if you paid attention to the Haftarah of this past Shabbos, you read the story of Yiftach HaGiladi, which happened 300 years later, where the people of Moab are claiming back their land. They're saying to the Yidin, give us back our land. The Yidin say, we never took your land. We took the land of Amadi. And they're saying, I know, but Amadi took it from us. So the, the Navi says, so go to Amadi and collect it from them. We took, what, you know, we took what we were able to take, and that's all there is to it. And this is the story of Yiftach HaGiladi and the nest that occurred as a consequence and so forth. So Balak Ben Sipir, who had a real gripe, he had a very good reason for fearing the proximity of this camp of Yidin, who now could be credibly defined as very successful warriors. They had fought and defeated two mighty nations, two very powerful nations, who were meant to protect all of the Canaanites west of the Yad, and they're gone. So Bolag ben hires a sorcerer. He hires a mechashif, a magician, to curse the Jewish people, with the understanding that you can't beat the Jewish people with the sword, let's beat them with the mouth. Or to say it in other words, if the Jewish people adopted the techniques of Esav, let Esav adopt the techniques of Yankev Avinu. Hakel, Kel, Yankev, Esav. The Jewish people conquered land with a sword, let's conquer the Jewish people with the mouth. And he hires Bilam. Bilam, that she says, hated the Yid more than Balak, and he had no reason to hate them. He had nothing to do with the Yid. But Bilam was an Isharao Blial, was an evil man, like we said the other day in Pekiovis, yesterday in Shul. The Tamid of Shabilam Harasha, the essence of Bilam was gaiva and greed. Very arrogant, very self-absorbed, very consumed with himself. He was very, very self-important. And he was a magician with a past, with a history, with a record of very successfully using his mouth to affect uh, battle. Vaharaya Moyev knew this very well. Sikh and Melacha Mighty had hired Bilam last week to curse Moyev and it was the curse of Bilam Arasha which had successfully allowed Amadi to conquer huge parts of northern Moyev in other words Moyev knew because they had been defeated by a curse of Bilam the power of Bilam's curse and of course Bilam was an opportunist he was an equal opportunity Chazer so they were, he's prepared to take Moyev's money to curse the Yidden after he had taken Amadi's money to curse Moyev all in a day's work and of course, you all learned to Chumash that they send Shluchim and Hashem tells them not to go. Send the second set of Shluchim and He says, but you, you can go, but say what I tell you. And this arrogant fool Bilam goes anyway and then he meets the Malach. The Malach is the Malach Shalachimim, Rashi says. He tries to talk Bilam out of it. And uh, he says, but you can go and just do what I tell you. And Bilam still thinks he's going to outsmart the Ebishter and outsmart the Malach and so forth. And the rest is history. And we know that some of the most important words in the whole Torah, whole Tanakh, were said by this evil Goy in Rasha Bilam. The greatest prophecy about Mashiach that we have was said by Bilam. Bilam speaks four times and he blesses the Jewish people in four different ways. He blesses their past, he blesses their present, he blesses their future, and he predicts their ends. The idea of Thomas Nafshi, Meisi, Shalom, Harisi, Kamayu, the end of the Yidna is going to be very, very successful. But the Gemara says, 
Rishoyim Tchilasam Shava B'Seif and Yesudim and Tzadikim Tchilasam Yesudim B'Seif and Shava by Rishoyim the beginning of their lives are peaceful and it ends in suffering and by Tzadikim it's the other way around Tchilasam Yesudim Tchilasam Shava Tchilasam Yesudim the beginning of the lives are difficult but the end of the lives are Shava peace Menu Chilasad Lavi Neil Mabba and the words of Bilam are considered of the highest order of prophecy and of course the million dollar question is Bilam was uh, a Russia of the highest order. Few people were as evil as him. I don't only mean in theory, but in Pe'el Mamash. He was a Evid and he was a Megala Arayis, and he was a Reitzeach. He was full of Ra. How can he become a prophet of God? How can he become a prophet? You know, of course, I've shared this with you many, many times. That prophecy is not simply about God having a message, right? Some people hold, there's a point of view that says that prophecy is God has a message. He looks down, he picks a candidate, and he makes him a prophet. It could be Larry, it could be Bob, it could be Schmettel, anybody. But of course, we don't hold of that. We hold that the whole phenomenon, the whole essence of prophecy, is about the worthiness of the prophet. And when Hashem has a message and cannot find a messenger, He doesn't send it. In other words, the design of prophecy is that there's a person, a human being, in a position to be the prophet of God. In other words, the essence of prophecy is the person's worthiness, the person's readiness, the person's piety and holiness. And that's why prophecy is so much about the person and only also, secondarily or in addition, about the words of the Abishtim. So the question becomes, how could such a low life and such a Russia become a prophet? To be a prophet of God, you need a few qualities, including humility and including piety and including uh, um, wealth. Wealth means sameach bechelk, like the Rambam says, and strength that you must gather and Bilam knew none of those things. He was never wealthy enough. He always wanted more. He had no control over Yitzhak Harah. He never told Yitzhak Harah no, and he certainly wasn't humble. How does Bilam become a prophet? Now there's a simple answer to this question. This is the one piece of paper I didn't bring in. There's a Rambam. He doesn't mention Bilam, but he mentions Lovan and Avimelech. In Parsha Bereshit, you have the prophecy of Hashem comes to Lovan in a dream. Hashem comes to Avimelech in a dream. And the Rambam says, since when were Lovan and Avimelech worthy of being prophets? And the Rambam explains that that was not prophecy at all. Prophecy really is an inspiration from God where God comes to a person who is worthy and fills them primarily with a vision. The essence of prophecy is the vision. In addition to the vision, there's also the message. Lavan and Avimelech were communicated to by God, but there was no prophecy. In other words, they didn't have an inspiration. They didn't have an oil key. They didn't see godliness. They simply got a message from the Abishta. However, the Abishta sends messages through Malachim or what have you, but it wasn't prophecy at all. You could make the case that Bilam was not a prophet. Bilam was sent messages. But that's not the way it's understood in Chazal, at least not by many of the Mavarshim. There's a presumption that Bilam was actually a Navi. And as I told you before, the Navua has two criteria, your own personal readiness, and then the gift of the Abishan. And this becomes the issue, what do we mean when we say that Bilam Arasha was a Rasha Merusha, Ishtsar Oyev, should have been a prophet of God. Let me elaborate a little bit. There's a sefer called Shmoyna Prakim Loharambam. 
It is probably one of the most popular Sfarim of Machshavah that the Jewish people have. In other words, amongst the books that people read to discover Jewish theology, Shemayin Prakim is in the very, very top of the list. It's the Rambam's introduction to the Pirkei Yavis. The Rambam's Shemayin Prakim is based on a presumption. The presumption, which is the basis for the Shemayin Prakim, is that Pirkei Yavis is Milsa the Chasidusa. There's two opinions about Pirkei Yavis. One opinion about Pirkei Yavis is that it's the idea of Derecher, it's called Malatayra. It's before Yiddishkeit, before Shabbat, before Kosher, before Tzum. It's Menshlachkeit, and Pirkei Yavis is Menshlachkeit. In other words, Pirkei Yavis is really the kind of material that Lahav Lagoy could figure out himself. Zayna Mench. There's another opinion, there's Haiman the boy, Lemehevi Hasidah. If you want to be a Chassid, and Hasidah says, of course, Lefnimi Shurus Adin, beyond the letter of the law, you have to learn Pirkei Yavis. So it's Pirkei Yavis is extremes. Either it's less than Taita or it's more than Taita, but Pirkei Yavis is a very unusual book. Rambam goes with the opinion that Pirkei Yavis is Lefnimi Shurus Adin. With the latter view, the Rambam holds that Pirkei Yavis is a Milsa the Chasidus. It teaches you about being Hasidus. In other words, nothing in Pirkei Yavis is telling you how to be Frum. Everything a Pirkei is telling you how to be more than from a chosid, which is beyond from. So the Rambam wants to tell you what a chosid is. So in telling you what a chosid is, he has a huge introduction. The Shmein the Prakim la Rambam. Is a, is a thesis, it's a book that's meant to describe what Hasidus is. And he says, in order to be a Hasid, you have to start from basics. What's basics? Health. Physical health, mental health, spiritual health. Beyond health, he says, you have to be a Chochem, you have to be a wise person. Wise means you have to know Torah, and Lahavdul, other Chochmas, other Inyanim, that have to do with depth. And integrity, and if a person is a chacham, they have a shaykes to inyan and pnimim. What is the ultimate madrega of Hasidus? Says the Rambam. What is the end of Hasidus? What is the highest point, the culmination, the deepest and highest level of Hasidus possible? Says the Rambam, a person who is a navi like Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was the highest navi. In other words, Moshe Rabbeinu was the highest chassid. And he goes on to say that one of the more interesting shtikalach is that Rambam says, but you don't have to be perfect to be a navi. You could be not so perfect, you still be a chassid. And he gives an example, you know. Who was the Rambam's example for somebody who was not so perfect and yet he was perfect enough for Nevuah? Do you know who? Shleim HaMelech. Shleim was a Navi. Even though he wasn't perfect, but he was perfect enough. In other words, there's different madregis, there's different types of chassidus. Even if the chassidus is not on the highest madrege, it doesn't matter. He could be still. In other words, the Rambam is setting, uh, giving you a, a, a perspective. And the perspective is, Hasidus is a human aspiration. Hasidus is a human endeavor. You want to be a chassid. Apidin have mechiv to be a chassid. Apidin have mechiv to be frum. Hasidus is lefnim yishur zadin beyond the letter of the law. If a person volunteers for Hasidus, they're being pious, extra healthy, extra wise, extra delved into in Yiddishkeit and to Teira and to Chochmah and so forth. The end of Hasidus is a schar is a reward, or a culmination, or a transcendence. You go as far as you could possibly go in your own Hasidus, and Hashem graduates you to a higher madrig of Hasidus, and this is called the Ruach HaKedosh, the divine inspiration. 
or on a higher level still this is called Nevuah prophecy until the highest Madrega of prophecy which is the Madrega of Meshan Abenu that the Chazal tell us he would have a prophecy and Ahmed al-Amda he would remain standing on his feet he wouldn't fall so prophecy according to this model of the Rambam it's not Stamazoy, Hashem has a message, he wants to tell Reuven or Shimon something. So he looks down and he says, okay, I'm going to send battle to tell Reuven and Shimon the message. Prophecy is first and foremost about a human being who is aspiring for Hasidus. And he reaches a certain plateau, reaches a certain madrege, and the Abish gives him a tana of a re'iya, of a vision, or a chizayon, which is a lower madrege of a vision, which is the the reward or the, the extra upliftedness associated with the experience of being another. So Navu has to do with Hasidus. And Hasidus has to do with Anivus. Hasidus has to do with Chochmah. Hasidus has to do with Gibir, Ezeo Gibir, Ezeo Yitzre. Hasidus has to do with Ashiris, Ezeo Asher Asameach Bechalke. Bilam had none of these qualities. So if the Rambam would say that Bilam is like Avimelech and Lavan, there's no problem. But if I recall correctly, and I didn't look up this Rambam, and I'm going to go home tonight and look it up, he, he doesn't put Bilam in that category. So the Shaila is the kum to Bilam Navu. And the story tells us that, Stam, that Bilam wasn't Staman Navi, Bilam was one of the greatest Navi there ever was. Incidentally, tangentially, as a parenthesis, we, we know as a matter of fact that there were Goyim who were Navi, and besides for Bilam, Iyev, according to some days, was a Goy and he was a Navi. If you ever read the Sefer Iyev, one of the personnels in the Sefer Iyev is a man named Alifas, Alifas Atemoni. According to some days, Alifas Atemoni is Alifas ben Esav. As Rashi says in Chumash, Alifas ben Esav was a Chaz, was a Tzadik, even though his father was a Rasha, and he was Hakan Navi Hashem. There's different days when he lived and so on, but according to the days, he lived in times of Yankel Avinu, Alifas could have been the son of Esav. So the question is, how does Bilam become a prophet? But the question is much more complicated than that. You know why? Turn to page 6. Please. This is the Sifri in Vezei Sabrocha. Sifri is what we would call a medrash of halacha. It's taka medrash, but it teaches us practical din and practical halachas. This is a Sifri. It's one of the most famous Sifris it's not going to be a surprise to many of you, but it may be a surprise to some of you. It says that the Jews will never have a prophet like Meshach Rabbeinu. And that Ammam Paskins, that Chagav, that even Mashiach is not going to be as great a Navi as Meshach Rabbeinu. And Ammam writes about Mashiach, almost the Madrega of Meshach Rabbeinu. You'll see later on that we're going to have over here those who disagree. But the Pasuk says there will never be another prophet as great as Meshach Rabbeinu. Says this, if the come amongst the nations, there was a prophet as great as Meshach Rabbeinu. And who is that? Zebilam. Bilam was not Stamen Navi, he was a Navi on the Madrig of Mesha Rabbein. And then he goes on to say, Eliash Hefesh, there's still differences. Between the prophecy of Mesha and Bilam. Because Mesha did not know who was talking to him. Bilam did know who was talking to him. And of course, the way this is understood is when Hashem spoke to Mesha Rabbeinu, he, he was relating directly to the Yabishter, and he wasn't relating to the Mido. Because him was all one, and Bilam knew Mimadab and Ime. Turn the page, top of the page. Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu had 
to didn't know that Hashem was going to talk until he actually spoke to him. Which means to say, Moshe Rabbeinu was always prepared for Nevoah. Bilam Arasha only prepared himself at a particular time, and only when he was prepared did Hashem give him a Nevoah. And finally, the third point is Moshe Rabbeinu had prophecy standing up, and Bilam had prophecy after laying down. And these three points understood Bepashtus to put Moshe Rabbeinu on a pedestal. Moshe Rabbeinu was not complicated in his relationship with the Abishtir. Bilam only had Nevoah when he was prepared and in the era that he was prepared specifically and so forth. But nevertheless, we find a Medish which compares Moshe Rabbeinu's Nevoah to Bilam's Nevoah and that is Atmiya Gdoila. How can you explain that Bilam Arasha was not Stam Azeya Navi but a Navi the Madreig of Moshe Rabbeinu? And on page 8 we have a Zayah. Let's learn the Zayah. There are several Zayahs incidentally. This is a Zayah in Pasha Shmeis. Okay. You see where I made my arrow? Omar Ravdimi says Ravdimi. We know the Medish was telling us, the Zayah was telling us that Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest prophet of all, says Rabdimi. Vahaksiv, we know it says in the Tera. Vilekom Novi Eid Bi Yisrael Kamesha, there was no prophet amongst the Jewish people like Moshe Rabbeinu. Vahamar Rabbishua ben Levi says Rabbishua ben Levi, Bi Yisrael Lekom, Yid never had such a Novi. Avobu Umet Elam Kom, the Goyim did have such a Novi. Umanu Bilam, and who was this Bilam? So the Shaila becomes, how could you say Meshach Rabbeinu was the greatest you ever was? And nobody was as whole and as complete and as total as Meshach Rabbeinu. Bilam Arash was a guy and he's considered as great as Meshach Rabbeinu. What you're saying is true and Ishtak, he didn't answer. In other words, whoever, Rabdimi, asked the question, which was Rabbi Yechanan, Rabbi Yechanan didn't have an answer. Zagdezeir kad osar Later, Rabbi Shimon Bayechoi came. Asu she'ilu kamei ha'imila. They asked him this question: How could it be that Bilam was as great as Rasha, a greater prophet as Meish Rabbeinu, when Meish Rabbeinu was the greatest prophet and Bilam was the greatest Rasha? Pasach va'amar. So we answered: Kutifa the karniti is arva ba'asemein tova chas v'sholem. You're mixing waste from tar with the most pleasant. Perfume. <laughs> to put Bilam and Moshe in the same sentence is really, really a distortion. How could you even put them together? Elavade kahu. It may be true, Taka, that when the Medish and the Safri says that there was a prophet amongst Goyim equal to Moshe Rabbeinu, this is Bilam. However, Moshe uvdu ilielo Bilam they were equal but in different planes. Moshe Rabbeinu's work was on the higher plane, and Bilam Marash's plane was on the higher, on the lower um, uh, plane. Okay, and he goes on and he explains in great detail the difference between uh, Moshe Rabbeinu and Bilam, that they were taka both Nevi'im, but Moshe Rabbeinu was on a very high level, and Moshe Bilam was on a very, very low level. Okay, it's a tenet. Only problem is, if Bilam was on such a low level and Moshe Rabbeinu on such a high level, so how could you compare them? The Sefri says, that Bilam is as great as Moshe Rabbeinu. You just said that they're in, so, in different worlds altogether, they can't be compared at all. And this is the topic we're going to explore tonight, how we could view Bilam's identity. Should we view him as Taka Novi and equal to Moshe Rabbeinu, Sabferish, Sefri, and so forth. Now I want you to know this. Kaidim called says in Kabbalah Sfarim that Bilam is loving. Whether it's actually the same person or it's a Gilgul, Mestam, it's a Gilgul. 
In addition, it says that they practiced the same form of sorcery. Remember in Pashas Vayetze, that Bilam had love and had Trofim. Remember Trofim? In this week's Pasha, Bilam has Ksomim. Ksomim and Trofim are the same thing. And the Trofim of love and are the Ksomim of Bilam. And there are those who hold that Bilam's strength was not prophetic at all. His strength was Ksima. In other words, he had a power of magic, he had a power using some kind of psychic powers, accompanied by some kind of tools, which allowed him to know the future or to, or to manipulate the heavens or whatever the case was. But one thing is for sure, he wasn't a person who was refined and pious and holy, what the Ramam called Hasidus, that as a reward for his Hasidus he became a Navi. But this was simply he had powers of magic, which he employed in order to try and curse the Jewish people. And then you'll see soon what some of them Fashim say, that Hashem gave him the war because of the circumstance and so forth and so on. But the question still resounds. If you want to say there's a difference between Bilam and Moshe, the question is, then why does the Sifi compare them? And if you want to say that Bilam and Moshe are comparable, how could you compare the biggest Rasha with the biggest son? Okay? So we did the Sifri and we did the Zehar. Let's go back to page one. Okay? And what we're going to do is like this. We're going to start with Rashi. Now, uh, to be sure, not everything we're going to learn is going to answer questions. But it will, it will open up our minds to the issue at hand. Exactly what was Bilam doing? So Rashi says on page 1 on the left on top, Linu He tells the officers of Moab to go to sleep at night. And he explains to them why. He only gets prophecy, divine inspiration at night. This is true of all Goyim who experience prophecy. And he brings a lie from The same is true of love and Hashem came to him at night. Now I mentioned to you before the Rambam. And the Rambam says love was not Nevuah. But the Rashi holds that Lavan did have Nevuah, but he had Nevuah in the middle of the night. Now how to explain this, how does a person get Nevuah if they're a big Rosha and they're a Balgaiva and so on and so forth? I don't know. But one thing I think we could all agree about is that these Rishayim, Lavan, Bilam, were great minds, they were very stark kept, they were brilliant people. And it's conceivable that a person who's smart enough and deep enough could experience some kind of a sense of a higher path, some kind of a sense of vision, even if they themselves are not fully deserving of it. In other words, they were such, such profound intellectuals, even though they were deficient in the other things, in Gvura, and Anova, and in Ashiris, and so on and so forth, they, their minds were so strong that they tapped into spiritual forces. But Rashi says, this happens to them only at night, by day they cannot have such an experience. Turn the page. Rashi on page 2. Rashi says again, Perhaps I'm going to meet the Eibishter. And of course Rashi explains that the word Yikara is the same as the word Vayikra. But that when Hashem meets a, ma- a Navi of Goyim, it's a, it's a coincidence, it's not with a full heart. He never meets me by day, only at night. And the word Yikra means that Hashem is going to meet me coincidentally as a happenstance even though normally he refuses to meet me by day 
And it says in the next Rashi, Posek Dalet, Vayakar Lashen Arayin Lashen Gnai. Hashem does appear to Bilam by day, but it's a temporary kind of a meeting and a shameful kind of a meeting. Lashen Tumas Kedi Kalayma Bekushe Bebizayin. Hashem meets Bilam. But the meeting is full of effacement. Bilam feels ashamed. Bilam feels exposed. Bilam feels uh, embarrassed by the meeting because when Hashem meets Bilam, Bilam's true identity emerges and he sees of himself how schmutzig, vinidrik it is. So Rashi holds what? Huh? What does Rashi hold? Rashi holds that whether you want to call Bilam's Nevuah Nevuah not as a detail, but certainly Rashi is not celebrating the idea of comparing Meshe Rabbeinu to Bilam. Meshe Rabbeinu is the greatest of the Nevi'im and Bilam is, uh, is Bilam Arash. The next is the Ebenezer. The Ebenezer is a couple of lines, Mamish, on page um, five. It's Mamish five words. Says he, Bederech Nevu Alei Bekesem. Bilam says about himself, you know the will of God, but through prophecy and not through magic. So the Ebenezre is, so to speak, conceding that at least in the later prophecies, Bilam achieved the Madreg of Nevu. It's different than Rashi. It's different than Rashi. The Ebenezre suggests that no, Bilam was actually experiencing Nevu. And the Droshes Haran says the same thing. The Droshes Haran is on page 10. The Droshes Haran asks, of course, the same question we just asked five different times. Found someone you have the place. It says in the Gemara in the bold type. In the bold type. Hashem does not give Shechina. Ela al Chacham Gibir Asher Va'anav. For a person to experience prophecy, you have to be wise, who learns from everybody, strong, who controls the Yitzhak, wealthy, satisfied what he has, and honored and humble. That a Navi only experiences Nevoah when he has these qualities. Says the Iran. Hashem does not give prophecy until a person has a certain level of wholeness. Says this doesn't mean it's never going to happen. So we know that Hashem gives prophet even to the Shaim on rare occasion. Okay. Then goes on to explain. Three or four differences. There's no question. That Bilam experienced the divine presence, experienced the infant Shechina, and that's how he had the um, And that's it. In other words, Bilam was a prophet. The Drashas Haran, like the Ebenezer, says that at least in the later stages of the Nevuah, he experienced actual prophecy. How? How could Rosh Hashanah experience prophecy? What's the answer? I don't know. That's the answer. I don't know. But there's a lot of different things you could say in explaining it. One of them is perhaps Bilam had good moments. Pap Bilam was a schizophrenic. You know, sometimes Bilam had moments where we get very pious, very holy. When he became pious and holy, David came and spoke to him. 
or alternatively perhaps in the case of Bilam, Hashem gave him an inspiration didn't deserve either to answer the Goyim's Taina, how come he gave all the Devim to the Yidin or to help the Goyim, whatever the case is you could make the case that the Eibishter sometimes has reasons to give Nevoah to Goyim so he gives it to a person who's undeserving. And this seems to be what the Rana is saying about Bilam. Bilam was a Navi. A Navi means he experienced Ruach HaKedesh, he experienced divine inspiration, he experienced the prophecy of God. How does he deserve it? The answer is he doesn't deserve it. How did he get it? You're right, he got it anyway, he didn't deserve it. And I'm thinking that perhaps, like I told you before, Bilam maybe had a, a, a bittle bone, a tashtikal anivis, buried someplace inside of his model, inside of his system, that from time to time he could put himself, you see, a bigger person has much more resilience. He was an incredible mind, Bilam. Very big chach. As a consequence, he was able to swing back and forth, if you will, from the epitome of lowliness to the epitome of height. And periodically, huh? Like a bipolar, right? And he experienced the Zami Satayinya from the Tziazei, Tziazei, Deran and Ebenezer both agree, not like Rashi, that Bilam was actually a Navi. How this could be, we don't know. How you could compare it to Meshach Rebbein, we for sure don't know. And so now go back and read the Ramban. And the Ramban begins on page uh, Gimel. You know what? Go to page 2 first. Go to page 2 first. By Bilam. Hashem comes to Bilam by accident, by chance. Says He did not deserve prophecy. The Tater uses the expression to connote Hashem comes to him with words coincidentally, undeservedly for the sake of you. In other words, you can almost say that Ramban is agreeing with uh, Rashi, for example, who says he was he was a magician. The Abishta had to send an award to Yidin, so he made an exception and made him into an but the question still is, what's the comparison between Bilam and Moshe Rabbeinu if Bilam is Bechlam Maranavi or a lower Navi and so on? So the Ramban has a very, very big arichas. The Ramban is on page 3 now, on the right side, where you have three hours, arrows near the bottom of the page. Do not change your opinion about Bilam to be any different than we explained before, which was that he wasn't a Navi, he was only a sorcerer. A person is going to say, listen here, I know Bilam was a Rasha, but there's a Medish that said he was greater than Meshach Rabbein. For they come, aid Navi be Yisrael, Kamesh, there will never be another prophet like Meshach Rabbeinu. So it says in the Ramban, be Yisrael, the Sifrit says, be Yisrael, they come, Avu Umis Elam, come, Yidin. Don't have another prophet as great as Meshach Rabbeinu. But Goyim do. The Ezer, Zabil, this goes on Bilam. Okay. So the Ramban is saying, perhaps you're going to say that what I said before that. 
that Bilam was not a Novi, he was just a sorcerer, just a magician. This is, this is wrong, and that Bilam himself was actually a Novi, because it says in the Teda that he was a great Novi. Says the Ramban, there's only difference between two people, turn the page and so forth. So the Ramban concludes and he says, no, it's wrong. Look at my first arrow, where it's pointing to. Page four now. And to explain this b'raise, which suggests that not Bilam was a Navi. We know about Meshach Rabbeinu, Lekom, Navi, Eid, Yisrael, Kameshach, no prophet was equal to Meshach Rabbeinu. Ashiyadai, the Shem, Param, Param, Hashem, Lu, and face to face. Vidash Rabbi Seinu, Achazal, tell us that Meshach Rabbeinu was on a very high level, and so forth and so on. Next, next arrow and next line. Aval ata now. When it says in the pasuk, "Lekom eid navi b'sol kamesh, leidibur al meisha sheyadahu es havai." This is not an allusion to Meisha Rabbeinu. The Meisha Rabbeinu knew the name of Hashem's name, Havai. Okay. Skip three lines. But ki rather yedaber al biur haravui. Wants to explain the nature, the explanation of Meisha Rabbeinu's prophecy. Shemaydia devara vekavanose. That when Hashem speaks to Moshe Rabbeinu, who enforces him of what he wants to say and what he says, it's clear by Moshe Rabbeinu, Shehaven Devarv understands his words, Vekavadas and his intentions, Bamira, in the Abishta's words, or Bakadas, it's saying, Befanav and knowing what the Abishta wants. Sometimes the person experiences prophecy, and he doesn't know what the Abishta wants, he's not sure. He's a, and even when he comes out of the trance, he's not sure what it means. Moshe Rabbeinu knew clearly what the Abishta wants. Says that Amban Omru. And when it says that Bilam was equal to Meshach Rabbeinu, it means only one thing. Bilam had the same experience. When he had prophecy. And the only reason he had prophecy is that Bilam's clarity about the message was such that lovely souls can come for the Jewish people without any uh, equivocation, without any uncertainty. In other words, the Ramban answers the question. How could you say that Bilam was as great a Navi as Yidin? And the answer is not saying that at all. We're saying Bilam has one quality which equals, which equals Meshach Rabbeinu. And that's the quality of clarity. Bilam perhaps wasn't a Navi altogether. There's only a case. He certainly was not a holy man and certainly not a holy man like Meshach Rabbeinu was. But what Bilam has in common with Meshach Rabbeinu was, or is... That the way the Abishta spoke to him was so clear that there was no doubt that the Abishta was talking to him. So when the Pasuk says, Well, they come, Novi, Aid, Bisol, Kamoisha. And Rashi says it means sorcery, Kesem. The Ran and the Avin Ezra said that it's Navua. And the Ramban says he was not a Novi. But one thing he had in common with Nevi'im, and that, that was that the thing that he saw was unequivocal. In other words, Bilam was not now a drag of Meshach Rabbeinu, but just like Meshach Rabbeinu's words are so simple, so direct, so explicit, so obvious, so were Bilam's words. So according to this chat, what makes Bilam special? Not who he was in his level of Nevi'im, but the level of clarity with which he communicated his words to the Yid. This is the Ramban solution.
And at the end of the paragraph, he repeats it again. If you look where I made my box. Bilam was not an over like Meshit Abeinu. It may have not have been an Avi altogether. What this means is that he had... Uh, experiences of Nevoah for the sake of Yidin. And in addition to ex- having experiences of Nevoah for the sake of Yidin, the nature of the Nevoah was that it was absolutely clear, like, like Meshit Abeinu's Nevoah is clear. This is the Ramban's answer. So how many Pshatim do we have? Rashi says he wasn't a Navi. The Ran and the... Abinadah says he was. And the Ramban says he's a Navi only in one Prat. And that is that you knew for sure what God told him. He didn't know anything more. And I once mentioned this to you on a previous occasion. This is, this is not the same thing, but it makes the point a little bit. At the Friedrich Eber once asked the Nebuchadnezzar Shab how Mashiach is going to know that he's Mashiach. How is Mashiach going to know that he's Mashiach? So the Rebbe Rashab asked the Fidik, but I want to ask you a question. When Hashem told Avraham Avinu to take a son and put him on the Akedim, how could he have done it? Perhaps he wasn't understanding the prophecy correctly. And the Rebbe Rashab went on to say, and I'm paraphrasing now, with my own words, it's taka true the different types of Nevi'im. And it's taka true that some people are not Nevi'im, they're just Mishagoyim, or aspiring Mishagoyim. But some Nevi'im, Get an experience which is so clear, so obvious, that they have no doubt that it comes from Abish. When Hashem tells Meshe Rabbeinu, Kachno as binchos yechitchos rahata as yitzchak melechlach of a haleyu, Avram knew exactly what Abish was saying. So the Ramban is saying, this is the prat. Bilam may not have been a navi altogether, but the strength of his power, of his voice. And the clarity of his message when he prophesied about the Yidin was equal to Meshach Rabbein. This is what the Ramban holds. Okay, any questions or comments? Now turn a bunch of pages. Let's do the Ramban. The Ramban is on page 9. has two messages and this is a, 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 it's interesting he says the message says like come no there's never going to be another prophet like Meshach Rabbeinu says the Sifri so the first thing he says if you look where I made my arrow on page 9 that's the Al-Bag he says it's taka true that Moshe uh, and Bilam were opposites why? Because Moshe Rabbeinu's whole union is Yiddishkeit, Avedis Hashem, Lishmira Me'achet Vehameri, and Bilam's whole idea is El Hachet Vehameri, and so forth. Is Imayos Koyche Yofa Me'ed Benavua, Bazeha Eis Achahoyso Magasle Benavua Bahokets Kmeisha Biyanu. Bilam found himself in a Madrege where he was actually experiencing prophecy while awake, which is in the Madrege of Moshe Rabbeinu. Because of the schus of Yidin. And for this reason, the Chazal tell us. Because Moshe Rabbeinu 
Okay, in other words, they're bringing, it's taka true that in a certain path, Bilam was evil equal to Maisha Rabbeinu. He was very qualified for prophecy. Right, and so forth and so on. Again, this is weird and very uncomfortable. But Bilam, a person who's as great as Bilam, has a possibility for being a Novi. You know the story of Dalton Reb, it's a good way of illustrating it. The Altareb had a chassid who had a son who was Azir Agerotanet, very gifted boy, talented and charismatic and, and smart and handsome. He was just totally lost. And he became, of all things, a jockey, a horse racer. He was a small little guy, so he rode on the back of a horse. And uh, the father obviously was eating his heart out, so he came to the Altareb and he told the Altareb that I have this son. He's very talented and capable and charismatic and smart. And he became a jockey. The Rebbe says, bring him to me. Just bring him. Just get him to come. I'll fix him. So he came to Malt Rebbe. And Malt Rebbe, so he figures that Malt Rebbe is going to start lecturing him on religion. And either he's not going to answer him or he's going to tell them Malt Rebbe means Tatan's Tatnarai. You know, he'll tell him, you know, Rabbi, don't bluff me, you know. <laughs> but instead, Malt Rebbe is talking to him about horses. And he was astonished to find out that the Al-Tareb is quite informed. He's up to date with horses and breeding and, and races. There's the sprint and then there's the mile. I mean, ich verstehe fed But he, this Al-Tareb knew his business. And, and anyway, the conversation went on. I, again, if you know anything about horse breeding and horse racing, this horses that are better for running very fast. Those are very young horses because they have a lot of energy. And then there are horses that are better for running longer distances. Those horses are a little bit older. They're not as fast, but they have more stamina. There's all kinds of, it's a whole chachma. A a racehorse who's really, really good is worth a million dollars. A fed. A fed. A fed. For a horse, it's incredible. Anyway, and again, there's different types of, then they have also horses that do uh, dances. They do... um, Moves. They do steps. It's a whole other kind of horse. And these horses don't have to run fast at all. That they just have incredible uh, coordination and balance. They do complicated ballets. There's all kinds of horses doing all kinds of things. And the Rebbe schmutzig durch mit dem jungen Mann. I think the Alter Rebbe was uh, was on the track and ATB three times a week to bet the Chavisnet was in Yankers way. Anyway, after they talked and they talked and they talked and they talked and they went through all different kinds of horses and different kinds of races and different kinds of breeds and different kinds of tracks. Which horse is better? The sprinters, the horses that run very quickly or the horses who don't run so quickly? On the face of it, it seemed like a foolish question, you know. I mean, it, of course, different horses, horses serve different purposes but a million dollar horse is a sprinter. What is better, a fast horse or a slow horse? So he tells the Alter Rebbe, a fast horse is better. And of course, the fast horses are, of course, the youngest ones have the most energy. They're great sprinters, but they burn out and they, you know, they're not so smart. So the Alter Rebbe says, but when you're on a very fast horse and you go off course by one degree, if your horse is not on the good path, 
the horses are off to the left or to the right, because it's running so quickly, you get lost very quickly. And the Yid says, Yeah, Rebbe, but I'm a chapter, chemichnel tzirikumen. Rebbe, he says, but when you realize that you're off course, you can very, very quickly redirect your course and go on the right path. Al-Tab says, I'm a chapter. Al-Tab got very excited. And he said, Until the younger man said, About the Rebbe, you may tell him, this is the third. Asmen chapter. Bilam, you know, could have been very great. He, he had the theoretical possibilities of being an incredibly great, great man, you know, like Eif. Like Eif, like you know, the Gemara says that Eif was so great that the Satan was afraid that at the Eivish that starts to celebrate Eif, he's going to start questioning how come he chose Avram Avinu's children. Maybe he should have chose Eif's children. So the Satan, the Satan, Speaks Lashon Hara against Eve to Chasvisholom. God forbid the Sutton. The Gemara says the Sutton of Pnina, the Shem Shamayim, the Skavno. The Sutton is afraid. God forbid. David should say, "Wow, Eve is maybe a better Avram Avinu than my Avram Avinu." And I'll start over from the beginning. So the Sutton has to talk the Eibushter into all kinds of Lashon Hara against Eve. And the Gemara Taka says, "Eve chidav v'gidav klapi ma'ilu." But in the end, Eve proved to be less than Avram Avinu. He blasphemed. First he suffered with his finances, then he suffered with his children, and then he suffered with his own person. The Gemara says, Hashem says to do whatever you want with him, just don't kill him. Keep him alive. <laughs> and Eev had every imaginable infliction. And he couldn't have, he plots. And he blasphemed, he was Machar of Magadav, and the Satan proved to the Yevishter that Avram Avinu is not Avram Avinu. Bilam could have been incredibly great. Because he had a great mind and a sensitive soul. But he used it all on he used it all for himself. And when Bilam was in the mood, and he focused in on the Rebishter, it was given God Hoich. And the, 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 the Rabak seems to be suggesting, if I'm understanding him correctly, that this was Bilam's business. That now, and I guess you can add also the Ramban's word that Lakvedan shall Yisrael, he was tuned in, and he experienced a Navi, a Navu as great as Meshach Rabbeinu's, he remained standing on his feet. So the Ramban says that the aspect of the comparison between Bilam and Moshe is the clarity of the prophecy. The Ramban says the comparison between Bilam and Moshe Rabbeinu is the fact that Bilam can have such an experience and remain standing. But then the Ramban says something incredibly sweet. Which also resolves a different issue. The Pasuk says, You'll never need another prophet amongst Israel like Meshe Rabbeinu. But amongst the God there will be, and that's Bilam. Look at the next paragraph. The third line. It's hard to say. Although the Sifri said, that who was a Navi who was as great or greater than Meshe Rabbeinu, this is Bilam. The fact of the matter was that there are many other qualities that Meshach Rabbeinu had besides for the fact that he was standing um, that made Meshach Rabbeinu distinct and Bilam didn't have all those milas. So when it says in the Medish that there's going to be a greater Navi than Meshach Rabbeinu and that he's not be Yisrael it can't be Bilam either. In a certain prat Bilam was great that he was able to stand on his feet. But in other Pratim, Bilam was not that great. So who is 
this Navi to whom the Medvish is referring, and he says something very, very interesting. Three lines from the bottom of the page. For Amnom Emis. Since it says in this Pasuk, there will never be another prophet by Jews like this, which suggests that there will be another prophet greater than this. Says he shall they come Navi aid Navi. Look at the next two words. Be Levad. A yid will be a prophet only for the Jewish people. It will happen. A yid will be a prophet, not just to the Jewish people, but to all of the people for whom There will never be another Navi who's only for Yidin. There will be a Navi who is greater than Meshad Abenu in all of the aspects, but he will be not a Navi for Yidin alone, it'll be another for all people. And this goes on Malach HaMashiach. This is the Rabag's word. Okay? So let us review, if it's okay with you, and perhaps even if it's not okay with you. <laughs> um, we have, we have Rashi, who says that Bilam was not a Navi, he was only a magician, only a Kaiser. And by the way, there are those who hold that he graduated slowly. I think there's an Abayna Bechaya here. He started, there's a Rogachave, you know, there's a which I, the Rogachave was very interesting. I just had the Chmanus on the paper because I didn't think I'd get around to it. The Gachov says each Nevuah he grew. First he was Bechlaun, it was only Ruach HaKadosh. Then he was a Navi like Yeshaya, like other Nevi'im. Then he became a Navi like Yeshaya. And the fourth time around he tried to be like Moshe Rabbeinu and he plots to finish him. But there were those who hold that he started out as a Kaisim, as only a magician, as a sorcerer, as a psychic. And he graduated, he grew. Each time he spoke he came to a higher Madrege and this was not his own status, it was a Kvayt and But Rashi says he was only a Kaisim. The Ebenezer and the Ran say, no, he was Mamish and Navi, because there are times that Hashem will give Nevuah, which includes the Pneumius of Nevuah, the Indian of a vision to an undeserving person. And that's the case with uh, Bilam. Ramban says he was a Navi only in one Prat, like Moshe Rabbeinu, that it was clear. And then Al-Bag says he was a Navi, Moshe Rabbeinu, only in one Prat, that he remained standing on his feet. He remained standing on his feet. Now, on pages 11... And 12, you have the Shalah. The Shalah HaKadosh. On pages 11 and 12, you have the Shalah HaKadosh. And like everybody else, the Shalah says, how could the Medrash say that Bilam is as great as Moshe Rabbein? It's preposterous. It doesn't make any sense. And he quotes the Zayir, a long Zayir, a long Arichis. If you're looking on page 11, the whole second column and the bottom of the first column, it's a huge Zayir, where the Zayir articulates the incredible differences between Meshach Rabbein and Bilam. He had only Machaz Shaddai. Machaz Shaddai is a Ha'or of Malchus. And other Nevi'im have Kael Shaddai, which is Zohan Malchus. He makes Bilam literally Ashen Parach, nothing. <laughs> so the Shaila becomes, how does the Sefri say that Bilam is equal to Meshach Rabbeinu? So he says like this, Hare, page 11, second column from the right, about 10 lines from the bottom, which is a vertical line. There's no way to say that Bilam actually, God forbid, to say that is just foolish. But what happened was, Bilam had which would take zel of Kedusha. And when he, sm- he spoke, 
His words, the Mishtamal Atrei Apa, they had two intentions. In other words, they had intention which came from Tuma, but because they were prophetic words and vague words that could be construed alternatively. The people listening to it heard, as the word of what he was saying, is very, very great and what he was reaching and what he was knowing. In other words, Bilam spoke. And in as much as Bilam was inspired, Bilam was the bottom of the barrel at best. But because Bilam was, the, he starts off this whole story by saying you know, that Bilam had to give the Yidin these brachas. Why? Why? Because these brachas were so great, the only person who could possibly give them would be Meishar Abed. But if Meishar Abed would give these brachas, the Samachmen, the Yitzhahara, the Satan, the Malchamovit would say, absolutely not. So Abed found the Yitzhah. Let Bilam give him. If Bilam is giving the brachas, Bilam is blessing the Jews. Oh, I'm all for it. Amen, we amen. Absolutely. So the bracha that the Eivishter really needed to give through Meishar Rabbeinu came through Bilam because Bilam was the liyumaz of Meishar Rabbeinu. And Bilam was as a prophet on a very, very low level. But because of his powers of magic and this chus of Yidin, the Eivishter put words in his mouth. And when you say that Bilam is as great as Meishar Rabbeinu, you don't mean he was great as Meishar Rabbeinu, you mean his words were as great as Meishar Rabbeinu's words. Okay, Lefiz there. Masha Omru Avabu Umeis come. When we say that Lahavdal amongst the Goyim, they were Nevi'im as great as Meisha Rabbeinu. This is Bilam, Ratzaleim, Lefi, Havonas, Hashemim, as Devrei Bilam. Bilam was a nobody. What he said was incredible. This is a good Ted. It's a very Balabat. I think it's a very Balabat Shetet. Bilam's status as a prophet was nothing, or virtually nothing. But the Abish to put the words in his mouth through the Ksima, through the magic, through the various forms that he employed, so that um, it, 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 he said things which are completely beyond his own Madrig. This is the first Pshat of the Shalom. And then the Shalom gives a second Pshat. And the Shalom gives a second shot. And the second shot of the Shalom is, is quite interesting. It's quite interesting, and to be sure, it's very hard to comprehend these in Yonim. And there is also the Arizal, which I skipped, on page 10b, which Lechoide is saying more or less the same thing as the Shalom. He starts off by asking a question. It's a very, very weird Gemara. The Gemara says, Moshe Akosav Sifrei, Vesefet Eev, Upashas Bilam. Moshe Rabbeinu wrote a Sefer Teda and he also wrote Pashas Bilam. Moshe Rabbeinu wrote a Sefer Teda and Pashas Bilam and Sefer Eev. So Shalom Kaddish asks, What do you mean he wrote Pashas Bilam? Pashas Bilam isn't the Sefer Teda. If Pasha's Bilam was in the Sefer Teda, it's part of the Sefer Teda. So what do you mean Moshe Rabbeinu wrote Pasha's Bilam? He wrote part of the Sefer Teda? So the tenet which is always brought, of course, is... Yeah? How do we know the story of Bilam and Bullock happened, Bukhom? How do we know the whole story of Bilam and Bullock? How do we know? How does the Teda know? Moshe Rabbeinu was a Navi that this was going on. The whole Pasha's Bullock is Moshe Rabbeinu telling the Yidin what's going on in the camp not far from where they were. The whole thing was a Nevuah. 
So Moshe Kosov means Moshe Rabbeinu as a prophet saw what was going on between Balak and Bilam and he put it in the Chumash. But the Shalom doesn't say that's not good enough. It's not, it's not sufficient. And therefore he says a word. He says that Bilam's potential was equal to Meshach Rabbeinu. Not only was Bilam's potential equal to Meshach Rabbeinu's, Bilam and Meshach came from the same place. And then they came down. And then they diverged. Meshach Rabbeinu in coming down was the highest of the high. Bilam in coming down was the lowest of the low. But the Shairish of Bilam, which was the same Adrega, the Shairish of Meshach Rabbeinu, was incredibly high. And he says, what's the Pshat? Meshach Rabbeinu, Kosov, Sifre, Vesefer, Bilam. Meshach Rabbeinu had his own prophecies. And he also had the prophecies of Bilam, the way Bilam is Bisharsh. Where Bilam is in his beginning. And when you say, come, you don't mean the physical Bilam. You mean the potential of Bilam, the possibility of Bilam. The idea that the Shadish of Bilam is the same as the Shadish of Meshach Rabbeinu. If you look inside on page 11, on the left column, fourth column from the right, have a road. The road goes in two directions, right? And it starts in the middle. In the middle, you're pointed in two different directions, yes? You're pointed in two different directions. Yeah? But you're standing side by side. When you start to depart, that's when the differences are exposed. Okay, you come from the same place, which is, so to speak, the cross on the road, the fork of the road. As you descend, you depart. The higher and the higher you go, the holier it is. The way things are in the root, everything is holy. And therefore, Moshe and Bilam come from the same Shadish and Kedusha. This is, so to speak, a mystical pshat. Moshe and Bilam come from the same Shadish of Kedusha. And in Kedusha, they were in the same place. When Moshe descends, he goes through a path of Gilui. Skip to the next vertical line. Bilam goes through a path that is negative until he becomes the very, very lowest thing. Okay? Now go down to the last of the narrow lines next to the Hagor by a made a vertical line. Since Bilam and Moshe Rabbeinu and their Shadish are one, had Bilam been a tzaddik, Bilam would have said these Nevuas, and Moshe Rabbeinu knew them as well. Even though they were not his Nevuas, they were the Nevu of Moshe Rabbeinu. There's a halacha that says that if a Navi says the Navi, the Nevu of a different Navi is Chayav Misa. Every prophet is only allowed to say what is said to him. Right? If, if you say a Navi from a different Navua, you're Chayv Misa. If you don't say a Navi that was given to you, Moshe Rabbeinu is not allowed to say the words that Hashem gave Bilam. They're Bilam's words. But he saw them. Because they came from the same root. They came from the same source. Okay? Aval Bilam, the physical Bilam, Lohizik, Masha Hizik, Moshe didn't appreciate of his own words what Moshe understood but they kept going further and further and further away okay so how would we now explain it 
You have a physical man, Bilam, who's in the pits, spiritually speaking. Understand that part of the reason he's in the pits is because his madrege in theory is incredibly exalted. His possibilities are very, very high. Because his possibilities are very, very high and very, very deep, when he falls, he falls really low. So he speaks. He speaks words that don't have much meaning. Because of the covet of Yidin, the Abishta gives incredible meaning to his words. So as he said in the first pshat, he sounds like a prophet that's equal to Moshe Rabbeinu. Here the Rebbe says, that Shalom says, it's not only that. It wasn't only that Bilam said words and they were in Mishtamal Atrei Ape, had two different meanings. He meant something very, very low. And the Abish meant something very, very high, which turned out to be a bracha for Yidin. It's much deeper than that. The physical Bilam says something very, very low. And the spiritual Bilam says exactly the same thing and means something very, very exalted. In other words, it's not the pshat that when you say Moshe is equal to Moshe Rabbeinu, Bilam is equal to Moshe Rabbeinu, it's only in his words, or in his clarity, or that he was standing on his feet. It's the pshat, or that this is what people understood him. It's the pshat, there's a physical man saying what he's saying, and he thinks it to be a curse. This physical man's own shadish speaks with him. But he doesn't know his own Shadish. And his Shadish is saying the exact same words, and it's a Madrege, which is the same as Madrege's Meshe So this becomes a little bit more meaty, if you will, in explaining uh, what does the Sifrim mean when it says that by Goyim, a prophet like Bilam, the Teretz is, the physical Bilam was holding what he was holding. Yeah, the Shadish of Bilam was in the same Adreg of Moshe Rabbeinu. He wasn't Masik in Shadish because he walked away from there. Moshe Rabbeinu was Masik in Bilam's words, not just what Bilam said, he was Masik the Shadish of Bilam's words, which was equal to the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu himself. So was he equal to Moshe Rabbeinu? Of course not. <laughs> but what he said was equal to Moshe Rabbeinu. And to Moshe Rabbeinu, it was the same Madreg as Moshe Rabbeinu. Because Moshe Rabbeinu saw his words of the Yar in his Shadish. But if so, why was the No, they did have meaning in actuality. They were brachas. I don't understand your question. He gave brachas instead of klolos. Balak was upset. Now go back to page 10b. This is an Arizal. The Kisve Harizal says something which I find I find very hard to understand. And obviously in Reikumi Kem I have a hard time understanding it simply because I don't understand Kabbalah. He says this. He says, listen. This, the following is a simple gedank. Everybody knows that Zeliyum is Asalakim. That's all. Everybody knows that everything in Kedusha has a counterpart, a counterpart in Klip. So Bilam is the counterpart of Moshe Rabbeinu. That, that's not so hard to comprehend. He goes into some intricacy. He says, Moshe Rabbeinu's name is Moshe. Mem, Shin, and Hey. He says, Shin is the first letter of the word Chase. Hey is the first letter of the word Hevel. So Moshe takes the shin from Sheis and the hay from Hevel. Bleib divit atof, mit abeis, mit alamid. Right? What remains? Sheis and Hevel. Moshe's name is Mavara. Sheis and Hevel and Moshe is the same. And Eev also. Which is why it says that Moshe costs a safe at Eev because it's the same in the Shab. Hay 
and Shin is from Hevel and Sheis. What about the other letters of their names? The Tof of Sheis and the Lamed and Beis of Hevel. So he brings the Posek Labas Eish, that Moshe Rabbeinu comes to the snare, and he sees Labas Eish, a flame. Labas is Lamed, Beis, Tof. Those are the remaining three letters. So when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, he was nevaded, his purpose was a tikkun for Hevel and Sheis. But it wasn't a complete tikkun. Why? Because the remaining Isis of their name, besides the Rosh Hashanah, not included in Meshach's name. When he came to the snare, when he was 80 years old, mind you, and he saw Labas Eish, which was the end of the beat of Sheis and Hevel, but in the interim, it's given a klipe. Before Sheis and Hevel were completely mavudar, there was a counterpart of Meshach Rabbeinu, and this goes on Bilam. So Bilam Kabbalistically comes in the same place as Meshach Rabbeinu does. This is the Madrege of... Um, of Chochmah. And there's a pilpul over here. It talks about Bilam and Balak. Here's the bottom line. To me, this is very, very... Uh, this deep. And I, I'll tell you what I think the meaning is and I'll tell you what my problem is. What does Moshe Rabbeinu represent? Moshe Rabbeinu represents Chochmah. What is Chochmah? Chochmah is Bittl. Chachma is, is a connection to the Yevishter, which is simple and strong. You know, you learn a Chumash, that there's a nation called Amalek. And Amalek are Machashim, they're magicians. And they're using the powers of Kishif to, to bewilder, to confuse the Jewish people. They're turning from animals into human beings, human beings into animals. And... The Jews are fighting them in a war. How do you fight with people who are so astute, they're so skilled at magic, they can appear and disappear? So it says in Chazal, Rashi says in Chumash, they had to be Anshay Moshe. Yeshua takes the soldiers to go fight. But they were Moshe Rabbeinu's people. That they have the power to destroy Kishif. But Moshe Rabbeinu was on a mountain with his hands up. The Koyach defeat Amalek came from Moshe Rabbeinu. And the same is true in two weeks from now. We're going to have Pashas Matis. Hey, Cholzume Itchem. To defeat Midian, you have to have Dafke Meisha Rabbein. Because Midian is politicians. Smart Alex. For Alta Svodah, for Alta Lomdis, for Alta Vod, other Apshat and explanation, logic, arguments. Bottom line is, they're corruption itself. You're going to reason with corruption, they're going to out-reason you 50 million times. Meisha Rabbeinu, Bittl. He doesn't get involved in the first place. Ashet Hechem. That is the potency. That's the distinction of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, you cannot adulterate. Bina, mino dinim esaden. Bina, the karei be klipas, lower madregas. But Moshe, v'nachnu ma. Moshe Rabbeinu was the essence. I'll put it to you in psychological terms. He's the essence of clarity. You cannot confuse Moshe Rabbeinu. He sees things clearly. He sees them to the very, very depth. And he doesn't see them in complicated ways. He gets straight to the point. People who have long explanations and involved analysis and thought processes, come as if Moshe gets straight to the core. How could Moshe have a klipa? What's the klipa of Bittl? <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't swallow, but the klipa of Bittl is Uruma, Zeh. See that I'm bottled. 
to me the idea that there's a counterpart of Meshach Rabbeinu Bilam Arasha comes from Chochmah Da'atzilas which means to say that his depth is the highest Madrega of Bittal that could possibly be if his depth is the deepest Bittal what kind of Klippa in other words isn't there a point at which it's no longer Zele Yomazeh you know like you have in the story of Purim Achashvedish is the Ebishter. Haman is Tayu, it's Klipa. Mardachai is Kiddush. And Haman says to Achashvedish, Klipa says to the Ebishter, I'm going to give Kedusha the king's tunic, which is Makifim, the king's horse, which is Levushim, which is Asius, and the king's crown. And the Ebishter says, Haman, you can give him the tunic, you can give him the horse. The crown is theirs already. That's why Haman says, And says, Here we have a situation. We're saying Bilam is the counterpart of Chochmei law of a bitl atzmi. Somehow, even on that Madrig, the Shaykhis a Klippa, and Bilam was that Klippa. So now the Shaila Hekhan, so exactly how does a clipper that corresponds to Chochmi law look? How could it possibly look? What's Bilam's in? I don't know. But this is the Kisva Arizal's Gedank. The Kisva Arizal, it's a whole Arikha say, you see, it's two and a half columns. He brings the, the Sifri that Bilam was equal to and he doesn't even address Bilam's Navua. He doesn't go into it. Bilam's prophecy is the same as Mesh, he doesn't even bother. He simply says that the Neshama of Bilam came from the same place as the Neshama of Mesh and Abenu did. And just like Moshe was Mavadat, Hevel, and Chase, so was Bilam. Moshe got the Gdusha and Bilam got the Liyumism. This Kisvi Hadizal, and as you notice, I didn't read a word with you, I just told you what I think he says, which is very effective if you don't want to show, <laughs> make yourself look bad. Um, it's very similar to the Shalom HaKadosh who says that it's not only that Bilam did something which looked great or felt great or was great in an aspect but there's also a shadish quality to it there's, a, there's a, a, a source in Kedusha that actually makes Bilam equal to Moshe Rabbeinu the manifestation is, is where it uh, comes down when you get lost you get lost really really far so again, what's the clipper? What's the clip of Moshe Rabbeinu? What's the clip of Moshe Rabbeinu? Yisrael is the clip of Moshe Rabbeinu. The clip of Chochmah. What exactly is Bilam? How does he become so corrupt? And how is it rooted in Chochmah? I don't know. One more thing. It's the clip of, of, of Atzilus. The Uma, see that you're a bottle. Oh, and I am a bottle. I am a bottle, which is a stadium in a... Right, right. Dogate bittle. Bittle idiot. Go to the last page, page 13. This is a Panim Yafis. Panim Yafis is from the Balafla, who is about Remza Chavir, a Talmud of the Magid. The last page, just close the stack. Fartik. He says a different word. He says a different word. Now, but Pashtas, what the Panami office is saying is, is Pshat. In other words, I, I, the Panami office can be explained in very, very basic terms. Moshe and Bilam are the same Madrege, but Moshe is the good side of it and Bilam is the bad side of it, and so forth. 
Let's do a little reading. Let's do a little reading. Okay, where I made the arrow. But that was Shakasa Bemedish, it says in Sifri. Loi kam navi bi Yisrael kamayshe Yidin will never have a prophet as great as Meishe Rabbeinu Avav Umi Yisraelim comes at Bilam Right? The question becomes how could you compare Bilam to Meishe Rabbeinu? So the, so the Penimophis answers El de Meishe Ksiv Adipa Rabbi El Meishe Ponim El Ponim Shekibli Mitada Ponim Meishe Rabbeinu saw the face of God U Bilam Mitada Ocher and Bilam saw the rear, the back of God. Okay, and he goes on to say, Moshe Rabbeinu was higher than any other Jewish prophet. How was Moshe Rabbeinu higher than any other Jewish prophet? All the other prophets only said, Koyamar Hashem. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, Zeh. Similarly, V'chein ha'ya be'bilam, it says, that Bilam's nevuah was also from Shem Avaya like Moshe Rabbeinu. The difference is, that Moshe had his lapchus ha'shechina, ponim, look at those words. Aval hefresh god le'yesh be'nei, you see what I'm reading in the middle of the column. Shemoshe ha'yadi be'bei machmas reiv kidushasim, because he was so holy. Zohar li'yesh ha'shlapchus ha'shechina, he merited to the manifestation of the shechina. Aval bilam hu le'hepech, bilam is the opposite, even if you wanted to curse the Jewish people and so on and so forth. That's all. Okay, enough. The simple pshat in this Panam office is that Bilam's nevuah came from a very high level. But he got only the back of it. Moshe's nevuah came from an equally high level. But he got the face of it, the front of it. To explain this in different words, and again, this is also very simplistic, and I'm not sure this is a true way of putting it. Nevuah has two parts. A vision and a message. The vision part of the Nevuah is called Chayzayon, or Re'iyah, seeing. The message part of the prophecy is called Nevuah. The word Nevuah means to speak. Boire niv svasoyim. Right, in, in, we say this in the utterance of the lips. Nevoah means to speak, a communicator. A Navi sees a vision, and it's the vision which is really makes it a prophecy. It's a vision of godliness. And along with the vision, there's a message. Moshe Rabbeinu got a very, very lofty vision and a very clear message. Bilam got a, a message which is equal to Moshe Rabbeinu's, but he didn't see the vision. That's the Pashtab Shat. In other words, he was really not a prophet. He got words that had he been a prophet would have been inspired with a level of vision equal to Meishad Abenu, but he wasn't a visionary. He only got the words. That's the Pashtab Shat in the Panam But I want to uh, embellish it a bit. I want to explain it perhaps with a word here. You have in Hasidus, you know, there's a lot of examples for this. One of the examples is the Eifid and the Choshen. The Eifid was called Podim, the Choshen is called Acherayim, which is higher, the Eifid and the Choshen. I'll give you a million examples. In Baal Shem Tevz you have, the Rebbe quoted this numerous times, a concept called Shvindeltreb. You know what Shvindeltreb means? A spiral staircase. Why are they called Shvindeltreb? Because you disappear and reappear. Schwindel means to, to steal, to cheat. Right? You're standing facing east. You go up a half of floor, you're facing west, and another half of floor, you're facing east again. So if you have a series of doors, well, let's put it in, 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 in other words. There's east, facing Yeah. So you are on the first floor facing east. 
What if you want to go up to the next floor? The only way to do it is to turn your back away. Turn west. And only then will you be able to ascend to an even higher level and face east again. In other words, to go from Ponim to Ponim, you have to pass by Achelayim. As you grow from a lower level to a higher level, intermittently, you have to, like we say, you have to go away from the Pnimias that you have here and ascend where you're only going to have Achelayim and then ascend to an even higher level where you're going to have a new Pnimias, you're going to have a new Ponim. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. When the Abishta gives a person a nevuah, a prophecy, the prophecy is a vision. The prophecy is an inspiration. The prophecy is, pardon my, wait, my language, it's seeing the face of God. Of course, Hashem doesn't have a face. It means the, the godliness of the Abishta. The bottom line is, to use the words that he uses, it's his lap shushashchina. The shchina occupies you. And you get it. There's an in-between stage. As a Navi is going from one Madrega to another Madrega. So he's stepping away from one Madrega of Islam. And he's going to a higher Madrega. But he hasn't yet reached the higher Madrega. So what happens now if he has a Navua? He has a Kherayim. A Kherayim means the godliness that he gets is too strong for him to be able to internalize as he stands at this moment. But it's more than the prophecy which he received before when he was on the lower Madrege. But he hasn't yet completed the circle to be able to greet this new Madrege in the Lakus. So what does he get? He gets a Kherayim. And the way I would explain it to you, this is my, only, my own words, a Kherayim means he will get a, a force. Which, is, which, which would knock him down, which would, so to speak, destroy him as a person, but he won't be able to internalize it. He won't be able to bring it in Bepnimiyat. So perhaps, this is what the Panam Yaakov is suggesting. Bilam was the Madrega of Moshe Rabbeinu, the same level of prophecy Moshe Rabbeinu has, Bilam has. But Moshe Rabbeinu is prepared for it. So Moshe Rabbeinu gets the Bechinas Panam. Bilam gets the same prophecy as It knocks him down. It destroys him. He's not a caliph for it. Because, as all the other Mepharshim told us, or some of the other Mepharshim suggested, this is happening to Bilam, not because of Bilam's worthiness. It's been happening to Bilam because the Abishta wants Yidin to receive these brachas from Bilam so that the Sultan should say Amen. So here again, there's a proposal. Where we're not simply saying he said nice words. He was similar to Meshach Rabbeinu in one aspect. But actually he experienced a prophecy. And perhaps a prophecy equal to that of Meshach Rabbeinu. But to him it was a Chedayim. In other words, it was beyond him. It was above him. It was way above him. And because it was above him, the impact of this Navu was not that he was able to internalize it, but that it destroyed him. Which, which leads me to the conclusion. There's a Raghat I told you, the Raghat was so interesting. Raghat Shavu was nigla um, shabinigla, and it reads like such chsidis. It's like, it's just, it's, it's, you see, it's mamashayim teyder. It's such a chsidish shtickle. It was worth bringing in just for that, but it was three pages. I was lazy. He, he analyzes the psukim, and he says, the first time Bilam had a nevuah was Madrega of Ruach HaKedish, like David and Shleiman. The second time he had nevuah was like the Madrega of other Nevi'im with the exception of Yeshaya. He says, The third time he had the Nevoah was the Madrega of Yeshaya, 
where it says, I will do. And he explains it mystically that the Madrega of Navi Yeshai was so great that his words affected an Asiya, his words affected an action in the world. And then it says he tried to climb to the fourth Madrega, to the Madrega of Meshara Beinu, and it destroyed him. Okay, so I cannot tell you I answered any questions, but I think if you paid attention, I didn't bore you. <laughs>